Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our Bible reading today is taken from John chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, and this can be found on page 1081-1081 in the Church Bibles. John chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Hi everyone, my name's Matthew, I'm a member of staff here uh, as well, it's a pleasure to welcome you, particularly if you're here visiting today, it's great to have you with us. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, please today help all of us to see Jesus as he is, the King who lives to serve. In his name we pray, amen. Here's a puzzling thing about the Queen for you. She has such power and status, but she does not abuse it. She has remained a servant of the people throughout her 70-year reign. Let's be honest, this is unusual. Many of us will know the famous saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and we see that it is true for many. We think of former kings and queens of England who used their status to live a life of luxury and who put down any who opposed them. 
We think of other leaders of state who just seem to be in it for themselves. We think of leaders in business, leaders in charities, leaders of the church too. There are too many examples of people abusing their power and status. But the queen seems to be an exception. Andrew Marr said of her, There are no reliable recorded incidents of the queen losing her temper, using bad language, or refusing to carry out a duty expected of her. This week I heard a lovely story about her. Uh, A number of years ago, there were twin boys who came to uh, one of the forward after-school clubs that we had here at church. And after the holidays, they all came back and were talking about things that they'd done. And these boys told the leaders that they'd been to London and seen the Queen and met her dogs and seen her soldiers. And the leaders thought, well, maybe they've been to London and seen Buckingham Palace, but they must be exaggerating the rest. Well, when mum came to pick them up, she said it was all true. Their gran was in fact the personal assistant to the Queen, and they'd been invited in to watch the changing of the guard with the Queen and her corgis. But the, uh, the highlight was, when one of the, twi- the twins was uh, sat on a settee, he patted the seat next to him and said, Queen, Queen, sit here. And she did that very thing. It's unimaginable of some other leaders, isn't it? So here's the first puzzle. Why has the queen's power never corrupted her? Here's the second puzzle. The queen is, I think, the most famous woman in the world. Certainly in this country, probably globally, 35 countries have her image on their money. She's instantly recognizable, yet we know very little about what she thinks on most things. She's seen 15 different prime ministers. We've no idea what she thought of each of them. She's observed all their different policies. We've no idea which she approved of. She always has these concerts put on in her honor, yet we've no idea if she likes any of those bands. (laughs) She's so famous, yet keeps almost all her opinions to herself, with one exception. She's made it very clear what she thinks about Jesus. She's completely open about her faith. Those who listen to her Christmas messages will know this. For example, in 2002, she said, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. For the millennium, she said that it was 2,000 years since the birth of Jesus and went on to describe the facts of his life, the remarkable things she believes. She said, as a boy, he learnt his father's trade as a carpenter. He then became a preacher, recruiting 12 supporters to help him. But his ministry only lasted a few years and he himself never wrote anything down. In his early 30s, he was arrested, tortured and crucified with two criminals His death might have been the end of the story, but then came the resurrection, and with it the foundation of the Christian faith. The queen openly believes in a risen Jesus. And she goes to church regularly. At Sandringham, she slips in through the side door, no ceremony, no special seat. She just joins in. One person told me that they sat near once and watched her singing her heart out. 
Apparently, each year she gives out the Sandringham Church Sunday School Prizes. Well, I think this second puzzle about the Queen is the answer to the first puzzle. The one opinion of hers which she wants us to know, that of her faith in Jesus, is also what has kept her from corruption, from abusing her power and makes her such a servant queen. Our passage today will help us see this. John chapter 13 is the last supper, the meal before Jesus goes to his death. And here we'll see three things about service from the life of Jesus. We'll see that the queen has been following his example. So firstly, though Lord of all, Jesus came to serve. This is John chapter 13 Verses 1 to 5, though Lord of all, Jesus came to serve. Verse 1 establishes the setting. We're at the climax of the gospel. The hour has come. Jesus will go to the cross and die and rise and return to his Father. So now is the time to show the extent of his love for them. The other thing going on is Judas planning to betray Jesus, verse 2. This is the contrasting story. But verses 3 to 5 are crucial for today. Look at the reasoning here. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. Jesus had all things under his power. He's the Lord of the universe. You go through John's gospel, this is the picture being painted of him. He's come from God. He's no ordinary man. He's the Son of God sent into this world. And he's returning to God. Having completed his work here, he will take again his place in glory. So what does he choose to do with all of this power and all of this status? He chooses to wash their feet. He takes off his outer clothes and one by one washes their mucky feet. I used to live in Singapore. It's a hot climate there. Everyone wore sandals. And so washing a feet was a thing that we did. Uh, when you get home or you go into someone else's home, you go to the bathroom and you wash your feet. But the key thing was you do your own feet. Back then, similar, probably worse, hot, dusty, mucky, feet needed cleaning. And generally, you do your own, but in some places, there was a servant who would do it for you. And then it was the job of the lowest servant. So they come to this meal. And Jesus, knowing his great status, gets up to wash the feet of his disciples. This is one of the craziest things to happen in the gospel. 
The minds blown at this point, expectations defied. The Son of God doing the job of the lowest servant. What on earth is he doing? Well, Jesus is visually making the point that power is not given for one's own glory, but for the service of others. Though Lord of all, Jesus came to serve. The Queen knows this about Jesus. She said so in 2012. This is the time of year when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. You see, true leadership is service. Many of us in our little positions of power, we abuse it. We're in it for ourselves. We're grasping at more power. But we have at least two examples of those with great power who seem to know what it's for. The Queen this weekend is rightly commended for her service. Jesus even more so. He's the Lord who came to serve. So may I ask us all, what is your view of Jesus? The Queen would have us consider him more than her. So what is your view of Jesus? There'll be all sorts of things, I guess, but I hope from this you might see his humble servant nature. He wasn't someone come to boss us around. He was someone who came to serve us. Secondly, we all need to be served by Jesus. This is verses 6 to 11. We all need to be served by Jesus. Here we get into the meaning of feet washing. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This is unimaginable to Peter. Jesus replied, you do not know, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you. You have no part with me. Peter might not understand it, but Jesus is insistent that it must happen. Everyone, even Peter, needs to be served by Jesus, needs to be washed by Jesus. Washing feet is a picture of what Jesus will do when he dies on the cross. He's washing us in a spiritual sense from all the filth in our lives. There is muck and filth that God sees within us, within each one of us. The Bible calls this sin. It's the way we relate to other people, but also the way we relate to God. So we hurt each other. We deceive each other. We take advantage for our own gain. And we defy God. We don't acknowledge him as we should. We don't give him the honor and the thanks that he deserves, we don't obey him. So he looks at us and sees us stained with sin. But Jesus came to wash us clean. And that meant taking it all on himself. It's the start of summer, maybe you've done what I've done, I got the barbecue out, I opened it up, It was filthy inside. Did I clean it properly before putting it away? No. 
So I start cleaning it. I'm scrubbing it all. I get it sparkling. But then I look down at myself and I'm filthy. The grime is all over me. When Jesus cleaned his disciples' filth, he probably got mucky himself. When Jesus cleans us of our sin, he has to take it all on himself. That's what happened at the cross. Now it's hard to accept this, isn't it, that we're sinful, in need of cleaning, and that we can't do the cleaning? It's not the sort of thing that we like to think about ourselves. We're a ruined shirt which we can't clean no matter how hard we try. But this isn't coming as a rebuke from Jesus. It's not, I can't believe how filthy you've got. Look at you. It's, oh, look at you. Let me clean you. This is love. You clean the things you love. Your bike. Your car. Your children. You can't leave them dirty. Jesus loves his disciples and washes their feet. And Jesus loves us and washes our souls. In the end, Peter accepted this and we must too. It's understandably hard to bring this up sometimes, isn't it? But the queen herself was not embarrassed. She said, although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness, from our greed. So God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. So before we start thinking about serving like Jesus, we need to think about being served by Jesus. I look at you all today. There are many good citizens here. We might not be comfortable being told that we're not clean, that we're not good. But you see, God's assessment of us is not about the work that we've done or the academic achievements or or, or giving to charity, or being good company, looking good, and even doing much good, I'm sure. His assessment is based upon our hearts. Our heart towards God, our heart towards others. And the good deeds, they give this superficial covering, but we're exposed by our failure to trust God when the times are hard, and our failure to give thanks when the times are good. And we're exposed by our broken relationships, our bitterness, our jealousy, our unshakable self-centeredness. We all need cleaning. Even the queen knows it. And we're certainly no better than her. We all need to be served by Jesus. Then finally, then... We can serve like Jesus. Verses 12 to 17. Then we can serve like Jesus. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. 
My guess is no. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's calling them to follow his example. There's a difference, isn't there? Jesus does a unique washing of our souls from sin. We can't do that, but we follow his pattern. So Christians should be servants of all people, not seeking power over others, but giving ourselves in love for one another. The cross is more than an example, but it is still an example. And none of us are above this because none of us are above our master. People set out with noble ambitions, don't they? Whatever their field, there are always people thinking we can change things, we can do good. And so we're active, we're campaigning, we, we work hard, we volunteer for a charity, we get into politics thinking that we can make a difference. But over time, how often is that zeal lost? For some, it's by corruption. The motives change towards self-gain. For others, it's just by weariness. Nothing is happening. Noble ambitions they, they, to do good often fizzle out. We can think of examples, but the queen today, she's our counterexample. Her desire hasn't fizzled out. She said on her 21st birthday in a radio address that she will give her whole life, whether it be long or short, devoted to your service. And she's lived like that for 70 years since. She goes to so many events. She did her first when she was 16. She's done 21,000 official engagements since then. She's patron of 300 organizations. She's welcomed 1.5 million people to garden parties at Buckingham Palace. And time and time again, as she meets people, she really seems to listen to them. She's 96 and still fulfilling her duty. Well, what has kept her going as a servant of the people? She said it. It is knowing and following Jesus. The one who served her and inspires her to serve others. So friends, it is an excellent ambition to want to do good and to change things and to serve others. But first, you need to be served. We have sins which need washing away. Then you will be empowered and inspired because Jesus is the reliable source of your ability to serve others over the long haul. If you're new to these Christian things, I'm so glad you came here to join us today. Um, I'm unashamed, though, to echo the call of the Queen to consider Jesus first and foremost. If you want to find out more, you could come on that Hope Explored course. That would be a really great way of finding out more. Or you could take one of those, uh, those Bibles home with you from the table at the back. They are Jubilee Memorial Bibles. They are a gift to you. Please, just take them. But as we close, may I suggest we picture it again 
that scene with Jesus washing his disciples' feet, taking off his outer garments, stooping and taking their feet in his hands and washing them clean. It's so strange, but also full of majestic tenderness. And then put yourself there. He's washing your feet. And they're not just your feet, but he's washing your soul clean from everything. Wiping you clean and preparing you to serve. This is our king, the servant king. He is our Lord. Let's pray and give thanks to Jesus. Our Father in heaven, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, into this world. And though he was the Lord of all, the one full of glory, we can't believe that he came to serve us. He washed their feet. He died on the cross to save us from our sins. We thank you so much. Lord, today for those for whom this is new, please help them to consider Jesus and to think about him For those of us who do know Jesus and have been washed clean by him, please help us to follow his example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.